0: Turn if you would to Mark chapter four. As we continue in our series in the Gospel of Mark, because Mark is 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 so much more condensed than the rest of the Gospels, uh, sometimes we don't have a real feel for really the passing of time. Um, if if. We were to be in um, in Matthew. We would be in chapter the, the the events recorded in Mark chapter four, beginning verse thirty five, are recorded in Matthew chapter eight and Luke chapter eight. So uh, uh, Matthew and Luke uh, include a lot more material, and and uh, and and so sometimes it's hard to know chronologically sometimes where we are in Mark. But one thing we do know is that Mark's focus, as just as a as a reminder, Mark's focus is on the the acts of Jesus, um, the things that Jesus did, not so much the things that Jesus taught, uh, but 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 the, the the things that Jesus did to prove that he was in fact the Son of Man. Um, and and we will we we've just passed through one of the few teachings that. Mark recorded of Jesus and the parables of the sower and the, the mustard seed. And now Mark will return to um, the acts of Jesus. And he records for us a, a couple of occasions that um, I think were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit were, are, are very instructive for God's people in any time in history, but especially for us uh, today. There, there are times in life, certainly when, we face what what I guess I would call unfriendly forces. I suppose uh, I was going to say circumstances, but um, circumstances just seem so. It seems that more passive than forces. A force is something that you feel has come upon you, not as not what has just happened to you, but. There are times in life when we have circumstances that seem to force themselves upon us. They know they have they have the feel of a force that is that has come upon us. I I think of sickness as a force, accidents, getting knocked off a ladder, Um, slipping on ice, (laughs) Um, loss of employment. Uh, that, that's not just a circumstance. That, that's a force that we feel uh, that, is, that has a, is a powerful force in our life. Uh, I, I remember when we left Michigan, when we were moving back here, and uh, we had everything we owned in a U-Haul trailer. Uh, literally everything we owned in a U-Haul trailer. We are driving across Nebraska, uh, I-80, and I had one of the kids in the, in the truck with me and the rest of the family in the van behind us. And um no job <laughs> didn't know what we were going to do and i was have you ever been in that situation where you're just uh, always on the precipice of panic, sheer panic uh, that was a force that was that was upon me driving i eighty was a force that was upon me um, if anybody's driven i 80 by the way the, the, there's a lot less road Right now, there's a lot less road construction on A to cross Nebraska than there ever has been. I've, I was greatly appreciative of it. And, 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 they, and they block off a lane like 10 miles ahead. So it, it's, 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 they're improving. Um, lack of employment. Not just loss of employment, but lack of employment. These are all these are things that, that are forces that come upon us in life. These are, the, these are forces that are unexpected that are overwhelming, um, that are dominating. Obviously, the whole cultural setting right now that we're in is, is very much of a force that, is, that we are feeling, that, that it was certainly unexpected. I don't think anybody here foresaw this happening. It is certainly overwhelming, it is certain, do, certainly dominating. Well, in our text this morning, I think Mark will assure us uh, of two extremely vital truths that we need to count on, that we need to trust in, when we feel these unfriendly forces, when we experience these unfriendly forces in our lives. And the first one is in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. And we'll read from 35 to 41. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just, he was, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? When he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. And they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey Him. If you remember... um, Chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus began to teach by the lake and the crowd had pressed upon him so much that he got in a boat and sat on it out in the lake while all the people were along the shore. We read that in, chap- in chapter 4, verse 1. And so verse 35 says that when he completed that teaching time, they took him, they, 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 they didn't come back to shore, they just left from where they were. They were on the, already on the boat and Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And what happened? Right away, there was a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? A fearful experience. Now, here's my question. Why were they so afraid? Think about it just for a minute. Why were they so afraid? Think back; at least four of them, at least four of the disciples were who? Pe- four fishermen: Peter, James, John, and Andrew. They were all fishermen. These were seasoned fishermen. They, they they lived in Capernaum, which is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Do you not think that they had never faced a storm like this before? Why are they so afraid? Then nah, nah, that's interesting. Now, so I thought, well, what have, what are some commentator? What were they? Well, some said that. This was an unusual storm in fact some posited that that they said this was a this was a demonically inspired storm because of how Jesus responded to it and Jesus uh, it said he rebuked the wind they said well that, that's what Jesus would do with demons he would rebuke the demons so some have suggested that this was that, that, that the disciples saw that, that or perceived that this was an unusually supernatural storm that, that made them fearful. Um, what do you think? you think that was it? Uh, we, we do know from the Gospel of Luke that uh, when Peter's mother was sick, Jesus rebuked the fever. So we have to be careful that every time we see the word rebuke, we, we can't see demons, uh, unless we want to say the demons caused the disease, which they could. Here's what I think, for your consideration. Because of what they said... By the way, what did they not say? Just think about it for a minute. What did, they, what did they say to Jesus? Don't you care if we drown? What would you have said? Save us, exactly. Save us! I mean, are, I can imagine... Are they bailing water at this point? What, probably bailing water... It's interesting, they didn't ask Jesus to save them. They said, don't you care if we drown? Here's what I think. I think that maybe even in this early stage, now, again, now Mark doesn't record all the time that they've been, but they've, they've had some time with Jesus. Here's my theory. I think that they thought that because Jesus was with them, or because they were with Jesus, they wouldn't face any kind of storm. In other words, the fact that he was in the boat, they thought it's going to be smooth sailing, literally and figuratively. Now, we don't know exactly what kind of boat they were in, Uh, I, I understand there were a couple of different kinds of fishing boats. Some were relatively small, and some were, were really, I guess, quite large. So Jesus could have been in, in a cabin area, or if it were a smaller boat, he would have been just in, in the stern. But in either case, I, I learned that, that the, the rudder or the... What, what do you call The helm? What do you call it? we, we have any boat people in here? The steering wheel? The steering wheel do you say steering wheel? He's not a boat guy, obviously. <laughs> the helm? Well, I know this. Anyway, you know, the thing you steer the boat with is in the stern. It's interesting, that's where Jesus was. They were fearful, and we're not really sure why. These were seasoned fishermen. And it was a furious squall, but again, from what I understand, this was not unusual. For the Sea of Galilee, because of the geography. This was really quite common, actually. And I have a hard time believing these seasoned fishermen had never been in a furious squall before, and they'd never been in a boat where, that was taking on water before. In any event, they were, they were terrified. And, and, it's, and it's interesting to me that they don't ask Him to save Him. They, they almost, it's almost an accusation, isn't it? Don't you care... If we drown how many times have we said that if not literally in our hearts and our minds to God don't you care when we are facing this force upon us when we are dealing with sickness and accidents and loss of employment or lack of employment these things these forces these circumstances that come upon us are sometimes many times our immediate response is not oh God help me but as God don't you care Verse 39, he got up. It's just just the brevity of Mark's gospel. just never ceased to amaze me. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. The, the, The picture here is him speaking to the wind and the waves, and when he and after he said, "Quiet, be still," it was instantaneously still. The the water was instantaneously calm. There there weren't waves, and they weren't. It didn't take several hours to settle down, but that there was instant calm. We look at this authoritative command. It, I, I I wonder if they. Uh, didn't think of Psalm 107. Turn, turn with me to Psalm 107. I, I, I doubt at this stage the disciples had, had thought of this, this psalm. But even, even his authoritative command to the wind and the waves was a, a sign of his divinity. Obviously his power. But Psalm 107, beginning in verse 23, some went out in the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, His wonderful deeds in the deep. For He spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it became calm and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. I would even go so far as to say perhaps this storm was in fact uh, uh, God did it to teach them something very, very important. And, and in this, this authoritative command, Jesus in his divinity stills this storm. And then there's this awesome revelation. And I, I mean awesome, not like how we usually use it, but awe-inspiring it. Now, the, a fearful revelation that they have about themselves. And he said, Disciples, why are you so afraid? An interesting study for you sometime. If you're bored, study through the New Testament You see, how many times the Bible says, do not be afraid. Don't fear. Don't be anxious. Over and over and over again. The Bible says, do not fear. You know the first thing I usually do? (laughs) I fear. He says, do not fear. And then he says, do you still not have any faith? Now again, let me ask you a question. What was the source of their lack of faith? One option was they didn't have faith that, God was going, that that Jesus was going to keep them from drowning because in the context they said, don't you care if we, if we drown? So one of, one of these sources might be their lack of faith was manifested because they didn't believe that God was really going to take care of them. Another option is way back in verse 35. What started all of this? Verse 35, Jesus said what? What did he say? (coughs) Let's go to the middle of the lake and drown. What did he say? Let's go the other side. I I think certainly part of their lack of faith was, in fact, their their fear that, that Jesus was not going to take care of them. But I think also, did they really believe what Jesus said? Did they really believe his word? We're going to go to the other side. Don't you care if we drown? It, 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 it's a non, almost a non sequitur. It almost doesn't follow. And then they learn something um, awesome about Jesus. Look, look at their response. Verse 41. Once Jesus said this, they were what? They were terrified. And asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Guys, the first thing I think that we need to remind ourselves of, that Mark assures us of when we face unfriendly forces, is we need to trust in his powerful presence. We we need to trust in his, his powerful presence. Now obviously it doesn't mean that we won't face storms it doesn't mean that we won't face difficulties in fact the very the very fact that we have to trust in his powerful presence implies that something some force has come against us that 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 we have to trust that he's present in our lives and if we want to extend that when when we become fearful over what's going on in our country? By the way, there were riots in Aurora last night. Did you did you see that? Read that. They broke into the courthouse and burned a uh, burned one of the rooms, burned down, and yeah, yeah. They I guess they found something, someone that got and did something a couple years ago. That now they and it's fearful, lawlessness, rioting. We need to trust in His powerful presence. Doesn't mean he's going to stop it. But in the midst of this unfriendly and in the midst of these unfriendly forces, we can trust in his powerful presence that he is going to, in fact, say peace, quiet, be still. And I, I think of Psalm forty six when he said, Be still and know that I'm God. We need to remind ourselves and trust in His powerful presence. Chapter 5, verse 1, is the second of the two. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, and the Gerasenes were on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and this was a predominantly, it's called the Decapolis, there were, there were ten towns in this region. In fact, as a side note, one of, the, one of the ten towns that was comprised, they called the Decapolis, you know, the ten-city area, was a, was a town called Pella. Pella is where, uh, in, in 70 A.D., actually, yeah, it was 70 A.D., when the Roman armies came uh, against Jerusalem, in and, and Matthew 24, Jesus said, when you see the abomination desolation, get out of town. Don't go back, get your coat. If you're on the roof, go. Get out of town. Get out of Dodge. And, and believe the, the Christians did, and Pella is where they went, according to Josephus, at least. Pella in the Decapolis is where they went, which was almost exclusively a Gentile area. So this is the region that Jesus goes to. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Um, this, this, this man that meets them, and what's going to be confusing throughout verses 1-20 through 20 is Mark saying, He said to Jesus... But it wasn't really the man. It was the demon that was possessing the man. So it, 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 it sounds confusing. So keep in mind that uh, with the, what with the well, prior to the, him casting out of these demons out of this man, it, the, the demons are the ones that are conversing with Jesus, not this man. Which tells us something, I think, gives us maybe some valuable insight into demon possession in, in terms of uh, taking control and the ability to control uh, vocal the, the vocal capacities of a person, which is which is certainly a, a mystery to us, and certainly not something that probably we should spend a lot of time delving on and digging into. But but Jesus comes across the, re, the, the a lot, across, uh, across the lake, and he gets out of the boat, and there's a demon possessed man meets him there. And I want you to notice, first of all, his devastating condition. And again, I've always encouraged us, and especially when we read narrative, these were real people living in real times, dealing with real issues. Um, A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs. This man lived in the tombs. Now, the tombs, these were, apparently these were caves, caves. that were in in this region the, the, these were natural catacombs and caves uh, that, that uh, crazy people would live in and and the demon possessed would certainly live in so he would have been completely he was he didn't live a, a normal life he was living out in these in these caves in these tombs, these catacombs and obviously there was a time when They tried to restrain him. Verse three: No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he'd often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. That he had—he had this superhuman strength. But there's one other detail that that Mark does not record that Luke does. Turn to Luke chapter eight. You would. Luke chapter eight, verse twenty-seven. This is Luke's account. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but lived in the tombs. Uh, I I want you to fully grasp this devastating condition. Here's a man who is naked, who is... They've, been try- they've tried to bind him with chains and, and to no avail. That he, um, he lives out in the, in the catacombs and, and um, this is someone's husband. This is someone's dad. This is someone's brother. Someone's father. I, I want you to grasp that for a minute. I want you to grasp what it would have been like for his wife and his children. Oh, your dad's the the crazy naked guy that lives out outside of town in the, in the caves. It it's said that he'd been like this for a long time. We don't know any details. We don't know whether he was married or had children. We don't know. But I want I want you just to before we look for the lesson here. I, I I want us to experience the pathos of this of this scene. Night and day, among the tombs, verse five, in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Self-destructive, desperate. And Jesus shows up, verse six. He's, When he saw Jesus from a distance. Now again, there's this this weird combination. The man himself and the demon. He saw Jesus from a distance. He ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Every every knee will bow. (laughs) And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. To see what came before that, Jesus had said to them, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And Jesus asked, What is your name? Did Jesus have to ask that? Why do you think Jesus asked, What is your name? It wasn't for his benefit. it's for his disciples' benefit. Because what did the man say? My name is Many. My name is many. My name is innumerable. Legion. For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. And a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission See, this This is important. Satan is not a god. Anything he does, he does merely by God's permission. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out, went into the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. This is when Jesus made devil ham. Why this strange... Why this strange confrontation and inter- Let us go to the pigs. And um, it's interesting if you read the, if you read, um, the Gospel of Luke, Luke's account. They, they beg him not to send them to the abyss. It's interesting that Jesus, his he he he, he knew what his mission was, and he never deviated from his mission. The time was not yet right for them to be sent to the abyss. The time was not yet when He could, in fact, when He would, in fact, undo their power. When would that time come? It's called the cross. Turn to Colossians real quickly, if you would. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by what? By the cross. See, see, the the real binding and and the real triumph did not come until the cross. And so in the meantime, Jesus... um, Sent them into this herd of pigs, and I, I think all, it also was, it was for the sake of their disciples, because it gives you an indication of how many demons inhabited this man. Now, I don't think that the, the, the intent was that, that there were two thousand necessarily. There were two thousand demons in him because the, the, because there were two thousand pigs, but certainly Jesus Jesus revealed to us this was not a single demon. This, in fact, was legion. Imagine, imagine the devastation it has on a person's life. It would have on a person's life to be possessed by multiple, a legion of demonic beings. Not just the physical devastation this man had experienced, but the spiritual, emotional, and can you imagine the release this man would have felt? Verse 14, how did they respond? Those tending the pigs. So it wasn't just the disciples who were there. The the pig herders, I don't know, there's pig herders, ran off and reported this in the town in the countryside, no kidding. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. Where do you think he got clothes? You can say it, Jesus. Disciples. I'm sure the disciples and others who were there helped clothe the man, maybe put a a coat over him. They saw him sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and what was their response? They were terrified. Does that sound familiar? Who else was terrified when they saw... The disciples were on the lake. These people were afraid. They were terrified and those who seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. What would you do? If, if Jesus came into your region and He did that, what would you say to Him? I kind of want Him to stick around. What did they say? Please leave. 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 <laughs> The people began to beg Jesus to leave their region. All kinds of theories. The theories was, well, he destroyed their livelihood. They were upset. They were mad. I think, though, that there is something about being in in the presence of this kind of raw power that was fearful for them. So the people wanted Jesus, they they begged Jesus to leave. Look at me at verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Now maybe, maybe he didn't have a family. We don't know. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell him, the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This was the guy, this was the, that crazy uh, naked guy out there living in the catacombs. Now he's in his right mind, he's dressed, and he's telling them about what this man Jesus had done for him. A merciful Lord. Listen, when we face unfriendly forces... And I'm not suggesting that, that any of us anytime soon will be demon possessed. That's not the application. We, we need to trust in His powerful presence. It doesn't mean that, that we won't face forces, that we won't face things that are unexpected, that are overwhelming and dominating, but we trust in His powerful presence. But we also trust in His liberating power. And this goes without saying, but we need to remind ourselves of this, that that, in fact, God is a God. If you really want to talk about a theology of liberation, that the, the liberating power of Jesus Christ to free us from those things that bind us from sin, from, from, from those things that, that dominate us, that He can free us from those things, that's true liberation. Doesn't mean that we. That the, the, well, the very fact that he, he demonstrates his liberating power demonstrates that, that we need to trust in that. The very fact that, that, that we have to count on his, his presence, his powerful presence in our lives, speaks to the fact that, that there, be, there will be times when we need to count on that and that we need to trust that. And, and will we? Will I? Do I, in this day and age, in this time in which God has us living, and the things that are going on around us nearly every day, it seems like if, 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 if you don't watch your Twitter for one day, you're already out of date. What is it that we need to trust in, in this hour? We need to trust in His powerful presence, not just in our lives and the lives of our church, but in the life, but, but in our world. We, we need to trust in His liberating power. Listen, I'm not ready to throw in the towel. Listen, God doesn't need the United States to fulfill His purposes and His plans. I want to caution us that we don't dwell on just the outer... Yeah, it looks bad. Okay? It looks bad. But man, this guy's life looked really bad. Let's not give up on the liberating power of the gospel of God through the gospel. Let's not sit at home and say, you know, let, let, pray for, you know, Jesus. I, 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 as I've shared before, I tend to be, you know, okay, let's just rip the band-aid off. Let's get let's get this let's get eternity going. I I would suggest to us that we need to trust him during this hour in terms of His powerful presence in our lives, but also His liberating power in our world. In, in closing, I would invite you to turn to Psalm 46. I think this would be appropriate for us to, to read and take with us this morning as we leave. Psalm 46. And I think it encaps, encapsulates... Mark 4.35-5.20 to Psalm 46 For the director of music of the sons of Korah according to the Alamot a song this is what they would have sung God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble therefore we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam Selah. Think of that. Ponder that. Meditate on that. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations that He has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. Just as our hearts rage and foam like the Sea of Galilee did and and when Jesus said to that tumultuous sea, be still. He says to our hearts, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Father, there, there are, you have not exempted us from unfriendly forces in this world. And, and, and the application is not that um, because of your powerful presence, bad things won't happen to us. But because of your powerful presence, you, you, you use bad things to turn out for good for us. That in fact, when we face unfriendly forces, not only because of your powerful presence, but but your liberating power, you're able to redeem those forces. You are able to, to preserve us during those times and grow us and protect us and take care of us. Father, I pray that we would learn to be still and know that you are God. I pray I would learn that that the, though the, 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 the mountains give way, the, the, the earth heaves and the, and the ocean full roars and foams, we know that You are with us. Lord, may You still our hearts, may You calm our fears, may we indeed once again renew our trust in Your powerful presence in our lives and in our world, And may we cry out and depend upon your liberating power to free us from those things that dominate us, that control us, whether they be thoughts, habits, patterns, emotions, all for your glory. And Lord, we so much thank you. It's for our good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?